Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast, episode 59. The crew is here with you, as always, myself, Chaz. Richard, how's it going? Hey, everyone, what's going on? How's it going, Richard? Seth, what's up? Not much, guys. How you doing? Doing okay. So on the docket for this cast, we are talking Shadows Over Innistrad. We are going to be talking about um, some interesting developments. Well, just really one interesting development about uh, BDM's uh, interview with Aaron Forsyth. So we know uh, Aldrazi is going, you know, something's going to happen in Aldrazi. So we just want to touch on that. And we have fish mail. So we want to devote, um, like we always do around spoiler time, a good chunk of the cast to Shadows Over Innistrad. And we have some cards to specifically talk about. So let's just get right into it. I'm really excited. And so overall, I just want to get each of your reactions to Shadows Over Innistrad and just everything surrounding it. Um, even if you want to talk about, you know, what you thought of the uh, just the GP and the presentation in general, like the kind of clues and stuff they had going on and the uh, pre- presentations and stuff, um, everyone promoting it, what have you. Um, so we'll start with you, Richard. Uh, I don't know if you heard that siren, but uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's it's hailing the start of Innistrad, and everything has been totally awesome. Uh, I, I don't know why, but they've seemed to hit everything out of the park. Flavor, mechanics, yeah. art, arts, everything. Coming from Oath of the Gatewatch, where everything was basically a spaghetti monster that looked the same, uh, everything here is very flavorful. Uh, all of the cards have been judged based on their flavor, which is something we've never had for every other set. And I think they've captured the essence of the original Innistrad very well. Uh, the one thing left that we haven't seen is if this was a good limited format. And if it is, this could be like the greatest set of all time. Seth? Yeah, I was I was skeptical when I heard we were going back to Innistrad, especially after the disaster that was the return to Zendikar. But this set looks so good. Like, this has restored my faith in return sets. Like, the flavor is a home run. It feels like Innistrad. Like, while all the cards are new and they have some unique mechanics and abilities, like, everything feels very Innistrad. And I'm super excited for it. I haven't been this excited about a new set in a long time. And if this is what the two-set block cadence is going to do to sets. We have some really exciting magic to look forward to over the next few years. Yeah, you basically stole my thunder, Seth, but yeah, that's pretty <laughs> much how I feel about it. No, I, I, I agree 100% with both of you. This, every, just everything surrounding it, you know, how they presented it, uh, you know, everyone promoting it, it. It's just been great. I mean, I haven't, all this hype and all this, you know, excitement about a set, I haven't really, like, felt really excited to get my hands on a set in quite some time. Maybe it's just Innistrad, but, um, in general, but, th- yeah, like Richard said, just everything. I'm so excited. Like, everything is great. Um, uh, even, like, the, te- like, the cards that you would, we would normally not like or say, like, is bad, isn't really, like, that bad. Like, they, they kind of are still cool, at least. Like, Brain in a Jar and Tamio's Journal. Like, those are, those are cards I wouldn't normally, like, really care about. But in like in this set, they're still pretty cool. Like I- I'm very okay with these cards. So just an all around A plus, and it- it's refreshing. And I said this on Twitter. Um, I- it's definitely I've never lost faith in in Wizards to make a set like this, and I'm glad they delivered because uh, it wasn't some it wasn't that long ago on this very cast. You uh, or you know Richard, Seth, myself, you know all three of us were discussing like 
when they announced expeditions and we were kind of like rolling our eyes like is this something that's going to happen every set now every block like what is this how's this going to work like but no i mean this set is going to sell on its own merit just because it's well designed it's awesome and it's just refreshing to see that that it's going to stand on its own legs and not have to rely on any kind of gimmick to sell product. So I'm just really happy and a general well done uh, wizards on this. It's awesome. And I'm super excited again, like haven't been this excited since like (laughs) the first block of Innistrad for a set, maybe RTR and stuff like that. But yeah, super excited. And, and every set we try to like, at least give it a chance and we, you know, still have to cover them, but I am just super excited like ready to go to talk about this set. So just so that's out there. Um, I know there's a few cards that we wanted to talk about. So uh, anything to say before that, before we jump into the individual cards? I I just wanted to mention that I thought if you got to see the coverage over the weekend, I really liked the way they rolled it out as well. They had all right. this cool like investigation stuff going on at the GPs. They had uh, some cosplayers that were like involved in it. It was just like a really cool and unique way, and it fit right in with the flavor of the set because it's all about investigating and these clue tokens. So yeah. I thought it was really neat that the way they did that. And sometimes Wizards official coverage can be a little sketchy and you never know how it's going to turn out. But those segments uh, were actually pretty well done and pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I was very, you know, it was well done. Like you said, they had people cosplaying, which they normally do, you know, anyway at a big convention like this. But to to present it and have it the way it was was just really fun. You know, it was just awesome to see everyone enjoying it. Uh, and, yeah, I, I really like that they took the extra step to, you know, to promote it like that. And, and well done to everyone who put in the effort to do that. I, like like I said, like or like you said, Seth, uh, you know, people who went out and cosplay and stuff like that. It, it's just that's just how it is now, like these days in, in, in this community, the overall gaming community. It's just a celebration of of something that of something like this nature. And I think it was all well done. So it was just awesome to see it like that. Richard, did you, did you want anything? uh, Did you want to add anything before we go into the individual cards? Uh, No, but it just goes to show you what happens when you don't have massive leaks, right? Like wizards was able to control how the things rolled out and they gave us an awesome experience with the website, with the escape room at the GPs, with all the weird clues and, um, you know, the articles and the picture names. Uh, so overall, it was just very fun. And it's it's not just, you know, what are the new cards? It's tell me about Innistrad, tell me about the plane, tell me about the story. And I think it's going to make uh, for a really good set. And I'm hoping this rolls into pre-release and eventually for the entire set where everyone's interested in the world and not just the fact that there's a Doomblade or something like that in the set. Right. Maybe we should just, like, just go with Innistrad for the rest of Magic's history. <laughs> just keep just keep redoing it. No, but yeah, I think this set really lends itself as well to um, to build it up like this. I mean, it's just great. And, and hopefully, like you said, Seth, and, and I think that point is really important, that if this is really what the two block cadence was supposed to mean, and we're just going to have to discount uh, the BFC block because it was in that weird transition time, then I am all for this. Yeah, it's it's going to be sweet. Uh, one one last thing to get your guys' opinions on before we get to the cards. What do you think about the fact that they did all this awesome, cool stuff through last week with the countdown at the GPs this weekend, and then they're like, oh, by the way, spoilers don't start for another week. You guys just got to sit around and uh, wait a week before spoilers. I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with that. 
Okay. Uh, it, it was weird. I could see the GP, but on Monday they released a whole bunch of stuff, and then on Tuesday they released right. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. That That's is weird. Kinda, yeah, it is a little weird. But again, I'm okay with it. They released plenty of stuff to you know for us to digest. So yeah, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think the I don't think people were clear on that. Uh, I think right, everyone expected right. this was rolling right into spoilers. So I think there was a little bit of a letdown just because the official start wasn't well known. So that's the comments I saw on Reddit and a bunch of places are like uh, just confusion over why we yeah. weren't getting more spoilers. So maybe it could have been more upfront, I guess, the official spoiler start date. Uh, but overall, right. I don't think it's a big deal. And like you said, we do have plenty to talk about. Yeah. Well, and just one way, kind of final thought about that. Maybe it's a good issue in this particular instance to have because everyone's looking for it because they're so excited about it. You know, maybe if it was a de- if it was like a set like Battle for Zendikar, maybe people are just like, you know, not really interested anyway. The other but, thing, after the big like leak issue, though, I thought they said they were going to start making sure people knew when official spoilers started. Right. Because it would be a little weird, like if some websites started leaking cards this week. You would assume that they were official spoilers because of everything that went on last true, week. True, true. But if, uh, the official spoilers apparently aren't until next week, so it does kind of make a weird situation uh, because of that as well. Yeah, true. Ah, well, anyway, like I said, I think it's fine. It was a little confusing to end like after Monday, but yeah, we have plenty to talk about. Well, let's talk so about I'm, it. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. First card, Richard. All right, we'll, we'll just cut straight to the chase. Thing in the ice. Yeah. Two mana, zero four. Horror Defender uh, enters the battlefield with four ice counters on it. And whenever you cast an instant or sorcery, remove an ice counter. Uh, when there are no ice counters left on it, transform. And the flip side is a 7-8 Kraken Horror, uh, still blue. And when this creature transforms into Awoken Horror, return all non-horror creatures to their owner's hands. So just so we get this out of the way... And we're going to have Seth go first. Is this Jace Vryn's Prodigy 2.0 for you? Well, <laughs> to be fair, I did not come out strongly against this card. When I first read it, it reminded me of Ludwig's Test Subject, and I was kind of like lukewarm on it. But everyone quickly pointed out how awesome it is. So I don't feel uh, – I didn't write anything about it going to college or anything. So I think I'm all right uh, with Thing in the Ice. <laughs> Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I'm just, I'm just messing with you. But yeah, yeah. I think the hype is warranted. This is a good card. In terms of like just a little financial anecdote, I don't know if it's $15 good, but maybe because this could, I was just kind of actually came to the comparison of this could be like the hanger back walker of the set type thing. One one really interesting part of this set is, unlike most cards, which are their best in Standard, a little bit worse in Modern, a little worse in Legacy, and unplayable in Vintage, this works in the opposite direction. Like, yes. this is at its best in Vintage, still very good in Legacy, decent in Modern, and probably not that great in Standard, or at least yeah. worse in all the other formats. So, uh, it, I, I think it's really great for Eternal formats. Uh, you can potentially have a 7-8 on turn 1 in Vintage with this card, and on turn two or turn three pretty easily in legacy yeah yeah i i, I totally agree with you and it dodges you, bolt you guys are really high on this card i thought seth would be a lot more reserved 
So Seth has done a complete 180 from his initial evaluation. <laughs> my my initial tweet, I said, this uh, is very flavorful, but it's probably not very playable, question mark. That, so I didn't come out strongly against it. Yeah, well, it was more, okay, so you were, like, gauging people's interests, I yeah. guess. The question mark is key. The, my, my, thing, my thing is, it's not terrible. I don't know if it's, like, super-duper hype time, but I think it's a pretty solid card. I mean, it's definitely not terrible. What do you think, Richard? It's one of those all-or-nothing cards. Like, I I think people will try it in Legacy and older formats. Uh, You know, if I had an opening hand, I'd rather have this than a Tarmogoyf, right? Like, Hmm. by the time Tarmogoyf powers up, this thing will power up as well. And just the added bonus of just returning everything to people's hands, like, that, that will wreck face. However, the flip side is when you draw this on turn four, it is the most miserable card you could ever draw. Like, you will probably never flip it. Right, so your only hope is to brainstorm it away, or you know, have your opponent panic and like kill it before you remove the ice counters, thinking you're gonna remove some ice counters, right? So I don't know how playable that is. It it kind of reminds me of like a card like Thoughtseize or uh, Ancestral Visions. Like you know, if it's if it's a turn one or in this case turn two play, it is bonkers. But the top deck of this thing is terrible. So how all in do you want to go? And I don't know that, you know, a deck like, say, Delver would want this, but I could see decks like uh, Reanimator or Storm just side this in and surprise people, or like even Miracles, where everyone re- removes their removal, you, you plop this down on turn two, they have a handful of, you know, combo disruption, and then you just beat them down to 7-8. So I can see that happening, but in terms of replacing Goyf, like, I don't know, like a, a turn 10 Goyf is still pretty good, but a turn 10 thing in Ice is terrible. So maybe those downsides aren't that bad. And it's still a 0-4 body. Like, you can chump a turn. I, I don't know. It still has uses. Yeah. I, I look at it the way Seth looked at it. And, you know, going forward to back, like, it gets better. Where, like, standard, it's the worst. And, like, vintage and legacy, it's the best. Like, or, or at least better. A lot better. Um, So I guess the middle ground would be modern, I guess, Delver decks. I, I think it's okay. It's definitely, it's not susceptible to Bolt. Um... But yeah, like Richard said, I mean, obviously the card has downsides, and I think people are trying to, you know, overlook that, or maybe they're not. But yeah, this is a miserable top deck, like, mid to later in the game. I mean, unless you're still holding a, a plen- you know, plenty of spells, uh, yeah, it's just miserable. It's just an 0-4 wall that doesn't, it's, it's worse than, um, what's the white wall? Uh, wall of Omens? Uh, yes. Yeah, I mean, it's just a worse Wall of Omens at that point. Well, so, Go ahead, finish. No, yeah. So what I was going to say is I I think it's just going to be really hard to keep investing in this in maybe modern, but definitely standard because, I mean, four four spells is kind of a lot uh, unless there's, you know, a way to get them, you know, off another way. But yeah, I mean, four spells every time you want to flip this um, just seems like a big investment, especially with a card like uh, that I, I feel is going to be just as relevant as it is right now with uh, like Reflector Mages running around, you know, come April. I think that's really like a, a card that's going to keep this in check pretty well, considering even when it does flip, maybe you get to, you know, attack one time, but you just, when it flips, they all go back, all the Reflector Mages get additional use out of it. Like, they get an additional use out of their Reflector Mages, and you're back to an 0-4 wall, and now have to dig out another four, co- like, another four spells to flip this. Yeah, like, if you compare this card to other cards, it could be similar to, so Goyf is the obvious example, but, yeah. you know, Gurmag Angler, 
you know, the, the same number of hoops you drop, you go through, it's like a one man of five, five, yeah. right? Like how much worse is it than the seven, eight? And, you know, Gurma Gangler falls in the category of Goyf where, you know, late game, it still does something. Uh, young Pyromancer, uh, if you want to cast more instant sorceries, then if your Pyromancer lived, you would have six, five uh, worth of stats on the battlefield. So, you know, like, you know, young Pyromancer is, it's not a great top deck, but it's not terrible either. You can still do something with it. So it's, it's, it's good compared to those cards, but it's not so like crazy, you know, like when you see the right. seven, eight, you're like, oh my God, but we already have a lot of powerful, you know, two drops uh, in the various formats. So, so I don't know. I think people are a little overexcited. You know, there's potential for this card. People will try it. It will definitely show up in, you know, SEGs and GPs as people try it out. But, you know, $15 for a rare that's in print, like, I, I don't know about this, right? This seems a bit crazy, but... Yeah, it does seem... Especially because, sense. yeah. I mean, we haven't seen the rest of the set. I mean, you could you could uh, argue that this could be Shadows Over Innistrad's, like, uh, Hangerback Walker. But still, I mean, I don't, I don't know. $15 does seem like a lot for this card. Um, but it is a pretty good card at the end of the day. I, still, I think it's good enough. And I mean... You just compared it, Richard, to Tarmogoyf, to Young Pyromancer, like a whole list of legacy and vintage playable cards. So just the fact that you're mentioning it in the same breath as those cards is a pretty, like, interesting and good vote of confidence for a new card. Like, remember looking over Battle for Zendikar, and we were, like, scraping to find one card that was fringe legacy playable, and this one's already being sort of mentioned in the same uh, breath as some legacy staples. So just the fact that it might possibly be half as good as those cards makes it a pretty exciting new card, I think. Yep, yep. Definitely the fact that there's any upside to talk about at all, <laughs> as opposed to previous sets where we're kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, but, I uh, agree. We gotta we gotta keep our eyes peeled to see uh, how many awoken horrors show up on camera soon. Cause... Also. For Against the Odds fans, it does not work with Vampire Hexmage. You actually have to cast an instant or sorcery for it to transform. Rough. Because uh, yeah. it's a Zen? Well, that means uh, you can't clone it either with uh, a clone that's on the battlefield already. Also, worth pointing out, since we're talking about a flip card, they changed the rules so the flip side will not die to Engineered Explosives on zero or Ratchet yep, Bomb or Ratchet Bomb. That is an interesting, very good change, too. Well, scary at the same time. So maybe that maybe that validates some flip cards in modern or something like that in, in older formats now that, uh, you know, they're just not so easily dealt with. Yeah. As an aside, uh, Garrick Relentless becomes like immensely better. better. Yeah. Because uh, in older formats, that is because uh, you can eat like a Delver or Deathrite Shaman flips and then it's not going to die to Abrupt Decay or any right. explosives on zero or whatever. Right. Wow. Yeah. Garrick Relentless does become a lot better now. Uh, this is Seth's favorite card, Relentless Dead. Oh, this card is absurd. Black, black for 2-2, creature zombie. It has menace. Uh, when it dies, you may pay black. If you do, return it to its owner's hand. Uh, second ability, when it dies, you may pay X. If you do, return target zombie creature card with converted mana cost X from your graveyard to the battlefield. This thing's pretty good. And it's the art of Endless Ranks of Dead. Yes. Just another like subtle thing about this set that's awesome, but yeah, set is like you, so broken. Like, why why is this a card? You can remove <laughs> like two of these abilities, and this card will still be good. <laughs> Seth, yeah. you love this card. Let, let's talk about it. Okay. Well, first off, just a two-two menace for two is fine. Like, you will play that in an aggressive deck. But the fact that it is almost impossible to kill is 
and it can block is a big deal. Like, usually with these cards, like Grave Crawler, Bloodgast, things that can constantly come back from the graveyard, they can't block, which is what makes them not that good. This doesn't, like, put things back into play tapped. It It's just, like, so absurd. I don't know how you can beat this card. Like, over the course of a long game, if you can build a controlling deck, eventually you'll draw, even if one gets dealt with, a second copy to get the first one back from your graveyard. And it really, I'm glad they chose the art of Endless Ranks of Dead, because that's what this one card is. Like, it is all by itself the Endless Ranks of Dead. It just keeps coming back, keep coming back. They can block, they can attack. And in some formats, you can get back Grey Merchant of Asphodel. You can get back all these other crazy zombies. There could be a zombie lord in the set. Who knows? Like, there's just so much value here for so little mana. Yeah. I think um, one point to consider going forward, since we still have dragons for a little while, I would expect Exploit to be a lot better for at least a little while, right? Like, doesn't this just make every Exploit card, like, pay an extra black mana and you're now a lot, like, a lot further ahead than you were? Are there good exploit cards, though? I mean, you have Sadissi. Uh, you have the um, the one that bounces. Which one was that? Sadissi's Faithful. Is is Sadissi a, a zombie itself? Yep. Yep. Ooh. Yeah. And I think I also really like the fact that we still have um, Fleshbag Marauder and yeah. the second one, which also is some more synergy. And Fleshbag itself is a zombie as well. So there are a few... and. Uh, Husk is also a zombie for sacrifice yep. energies, so there's something there in standard, I think. I think you're right. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's definitely something there in standard. Um, yeah, I mean, this card is, is pretty good. <laughs> I'm going to go out of limb and say this gives us a dredge-like deck in standard, and, and, in the fact yeah. that if you don't have specific hate for this, you're not beating this deck. Like, you need to have Exile Effects, uh, Kalidas, uh, and Anafenza, which is rotating... Uh, you know, some kind of graveyard hate, or else, like, you're literally getting endless ranks of dead, and you're you're not going to be able to punch through. Like, they can just, you can just chump block with this thing forever, uh, you know, play zombies, get them back, and just grind people out. So, it's going to be tough to beat this, unless you can stop the recursion. And, for some reason, this thing has menace. You can stick it to you, <laughs> right? Like, it, yeah. it helps it be aggressive for, like, no reason. It's like a crazy blocker, <laughs> a crazy value engine. It has recursion, and for some reason, it has menace. And it has two black symbols just just to get some devotion in there. Like I, I don't know, this card has everything. The zombie got everything it wanted. This for seems two. absurd with Kalitas. Like yeah. straight up absurd. <laughs> Wait, is Kalitas a zombie? Yeah. Zombie vampire, right? Let me oh. double check. I, I'm gonna double check that one. I meant you need Kalitas across the board to exile this thing, but paired with Kalitas, oh my. Um, I'm just gonna double check. <laughs> I mean, it makes zombies, so it must be a zombie, right? No, vampire warrior. <laughs> warrior. Yeah, uh, but you could you can continuously you can a zombie. For, yeah, you, yeah, for an additional mana. Right. You can get two plus Rough. one plus one counters on Kalitas. Rough. Yeah, that card I I don't know. I am surprised that they printed this card the way they did. Like it seems like it has potential to be really broken and also lead to really unfun games, which is the biggest <laughs> like surprise for me. Like Wizards tends to value fun games in standard and just being ground out over the course of thirty turns by relentless dead and counter spells and removal does not sound like fun to a lot of people. I would enjoy it, but <laughs> most people probably would not. I I know we talked about income the zombies. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully. I mean, we talked about this card definitely in standard. Is it any like? Does it have any chance in any other format? I think it's it has a chance in at least modern. 
It's got to be good in modern, right? Because you have so many right. good zombies in modern. And uh, you can play Grave Merchant just for fun here. And, like, yeah. <laughs> just, like, Relentless Dead into the Drow's Messenger into Grave Merchant? Like, what? Yeah, I know you were already talking about, like, a uh, Mono B uh, devotion with uh, Seth, right? For modern. Like, this is definitely a shoe in for that. Yeah, I have tried to build Mono Black Devotion in Modern before, and the biggest problem with the entire deck was the lack of a good double black two drop. Like, that was the main thing that deck was missing, because you can play Gravecrawlers on turn one, nothing on turn two, then you have Giraffe's Messenger into Grey Merchant. That's a lot of black mana symbols. So this is, like, the perfect card for some sort of synergistic zombie-slash-devotion deck in Modern. So this, like, fills the biggest void that deck had. So I'm really excited about that possibility. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just really good. <laughs> uh, that's all we can really say. And I, I think the price tag is justified. If you can get them at, like, 15, I'd say go for it. You always got to keep an eye on low converted mana cost mythics that have potential across formats. And that's doubly true over this summer since we're in this crazy time of so many set releases in a right, row. Like right. all of these sets might be, or at least some of them have lower supply than normal when there's this three month gap when that's the only set people are buying. So if this is playable in modern or legacy, watch out. It could end up being very expensive in the long term. Yeah, this I mean, is definitely... I'm, I'm playing zombies. <laughs> the next asset. Like, yeah, I mean, if this thing is reasonably priced, I don't want to drop like 100 bucks per playset of this, but if this thing is cheap, I'm playing. I'm like, Thoughtseize, Inquisition into zombies into Liliana into Grey Merchant. Yeah, I'll do that. <laughs> Seems like a good deal. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this this is... This is like def- this could be, like you just said, Seth. Just to piggyback on what you said, this could be like the voice of resurgence type like mythic, where down the line it could slowly creep up to like the thirty-five, forty-dollar range. And the thing that mo- I agree with you, and the thing that most made me believe that that's possible is you don't really even need other zombies. Like it's sweet in a zombie deck, but just four relentless dead is really good by itself because they can keep getting themselves back over the course of the long game. So right. even though it looks like a tribal zombie card because of the last ability, it it's it really isn't. It doesn't have to be. It has applications far outside of just zombie tribal. Yeah, because like, it, it could just get, like, these random cards that just happen to be zombies. Like, uh, I think it could, like, if you just threw it into some dredge-type list and this paired with, um, like, a bloodgast or something like that. I don't I think it's a vampire spirit, actually, so. Axe the, the bloodgast from there, but, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it just, it, it could fit into a lot of different stuff. And, and like you just said, it it doesn't have to be with zombies. And Lotleth Troll actually is a zombie that synergizes oh really well and is really powerful, <laughs> even though it's underplayed. Oh my god! So there's any any there's potential. Oh, yeah, any argument for Lotleth Troll is great for me. I love that card. <laughs> Let's move on. It is Archangel Avacyn. Uh A lot of text on this. Flash, flying, vigilance. When Archangel Avacyn enters the battlefield, creatures you control gain indestructible until end of turn. When a non-angel creature you control dies, transform Archangel Avacyn at the beginning of the next upkeep. And her flip side is a 6-5 red Avacyn the Purifier. Uh, flying, when this creature transforms, it deals 3 damage to each other creature and each opponent. It doesn't have menace. Next. <laughs> <laughs> well, this... I, I have now lived through uh, enough magic to say that Sarah Angel is now like completely obsolete. 
Um, and now we are getting a ton of stuff, a ton of text for Sarah Angel's mana cost and power. Uh, it's a good card. It really is a good card. I don't know if it's a $25 mythic, but uh, it's a good card. I think it, it will have some applications. I don't know if it's like a full four of in like any one particular deck, but I, I think this card is solid. I I think it's solid too, and I really love the fact that flipping it is can't yeah. be a downside. Like that's my favorite part of this card. That uh, last time around, you always wanted to flip things. Like pretty much, maybe not uh, Garrick, but otherwise, you always wanted things to flip because the flip side was better. This side, you can actually like wipe your board and really ruin the game if it flips at the wrong time. Yeah, I I said this over Twitter, like, even just, like, the mechanics, they definitely took, like, it's subtle, but they took even, like, a different approach, even with, like, flipping. And, like, just like you said, Seth, like, normally in the first block, like, flipping is normally a good thing, like, 99% of the time. Like, I, I like how they came to this set, and, like, flipping is, like, something you need to achieve or something that could even potentially be bad. I... Rules question. Can you have an Avacyn, the Purifier, and yes. Angel Avacyn on the battlefield at the same yes. time? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if also, you flip one, you're screwed. <laughs> right. Also, uh, another rules question. Um, how does this work with Eldrazi Displacer? It comes back face up. Right, but if it flips, yeah. can you flip it? Can you exile it and have it come back? Yeah, so with Eldrazi Displacer, you could play it. Um, when it flips, you could blink it and it would come back and make your whole team indestructible before the damage was dealt to your other creatures. Well, then I think we have uh, a little cute little thing going on that doesn't really require a lot of, uh, resources. Yeah. Then you make it just like both in the same color. a one-sided board wipe basically, or one-sided, uh, I don't know, anger of the gods. Well, I don't yeah. know. You had to have something die and you had to have a displacer or you have to keep you needed three mana just to do three damage and everything. But... Uh, it does work. Uh, they they did change the rules so that um, you can't flip multiple times. Uh, so if a card is already flipped, uh, it can't flip again. So before you used to be able to stack like uh, oh, interesting. You know, hundreds yeah. of transform triggers, but once you transform once, you're good. So in this case, since you're transforming front to back to back to front, you're okay. Uh, but other people are trying to go infinite with Avacyn by uh, getting her to flip like a million times to deal three damage a bunch of times in your upkeep, but that only works once now. Oh, interesting. So they, they plugged that loophole. But uh, Avacyn is really good. Like, it will command a high price tag. It will go into every EDH deck. Oh, uh, yeah. Flavor is just crazy, right? Like, oh, here's here's Avacyn, the protector, indestructible team. It's like, oh, she's gone crazy. Three damage to everything. Might have killed your team, right? Like, Yeah, this, I mean, it's a... True red color there coming out. Yeah, it's an all-around, like, A+. And um, just for everyone out there that... And I know, I mean, for you guys doing the Commander Clash... Uh, this is a Boros commander, that just is, so everyone knows that. What? That is correct. It is Boros. Yeah. And and like you said, Richard, yeah, I mean, Avacyn Angel of Hope is still a pretty, commands a pretty high price tag, despite even like a, what was it, a vault uh, from the Angels reprint? Uh, yeah, I think it was yes. from the Vault Angels, yeah. Yeah. So there you have it. I mean, just casual appeal alone likely buoy a semi-high price tag. Yeah. Angels, I think, are one of the most popular creature types right up yeah. there with dragons. So, yep, I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Yeah. Uh, Again, I don't know I don't know about $25, but, 
you know, I could definitely see this holding strong at like 15 to 18. And again, again, it's a flip card, which gives you at least so far, like some long-term security as far as reprints. We haven't seen flip cards be reprinted and they don't show up often at all. So it's pretty safe to say because the printing process is actually different. Uh, so it's pretty safe to invest in these type of uh, casual cards over the long term, specifically because they're m- much harder to print than a normal mythic. Yeah. Foils definitely, f- for sure, are going to be coveted of this card. And the art's sweet. Yeah. And the art, yeah, really I'm waiting is. for the new spear. So on the front side, she has moon silver. Moonsilver Spear, Ooh. I believe, which is uh, yeah. it's kind of bad. It makes a 4-4 Angel, but it's like 4 to cast before to equip. But when she flips, her weapon has changed. So oh. I'm waiting waiting to see what that's going to be. I see. Very good. A good observation, Richard. I'm, I'm all I'm all into the Innistrad plane now. I'm, yeah. I'm a Vorthos. Vor- Vorthos extraordinaire <laughs> right here. <laughs> uh, okay, let, let's talk about... Some of the mechanics here. So we, we have some commons and uncommons. Yeah. Uh, let's start with Air of Falconrath. So Air of Falconrath is a two mana, two one, uh, one and a black. Uh, creature vampire, and you can discard a card to transform Air of Falconrath. Activate this ability only once each turn. Uh, the flip side is a three, two, three, two flying air to the night. So two mana, two one, you can discard a card and become a three, two flying. Um, we should just go ahead and um, throw in Incorrigible Youths at the same time. Oh. Incorrigible Youths. Five mana, four, three, haste. Uh, madness, two, and a red. So if you discard a card, you can... Or if you discard this card, you can play it for its madness cost, which is two and a red, and you get a four, three, haste. So I think this is a pretty strong core of a madness deck uh, right here. Uh, if not anything else, a red-black you know, aggressive list. So, I mean, here you go, Seth. I mean, not, I mean, it was just last week you were talking about, you know, maybe Drana finding a home and uh, a kind of aggressive madness list. I mean, here it is. Uh, uh, Encourageable use is basically arrogant worm minus trample and gave it haste and one less toughness, which is still pretty, which is still fine. I mean, I, I, I love air of Falcon wrath. The card is nuts. I think at least in standard. That's interesting. I I think it'll depend on what other vampire synergies we get, maybe. Like, the thing is, what I'm wondering, is air better than Jace? If your goal is to uh, discard incorrigible youth on turn three, like, would you, is it better to have a Jace going, or do you want air of Falconrath? Um, in an aggressive list, I want air. Absolutely. In a more of, like, a... I guess a controlling slash value deck, I would want Jace. But if this is like red, black, or just like black X aggressive, I definitely want air. Eh, All right. I guess that makes, I guess I can see the argument for it. Yeah. Because I mean, even if you don't madness or you just have like an extra land in your hand, you still got a three, two flying on turn two. And and you can, you, you can activate it at any point. It's not only on your turn. And I think so you can kind of gauge where the situation's at if you want to flip. I don't. Um, I think you got to have good madness cards for it to be worth it. Like I, I don't think you can play Era Falconrath with the plan being, oh, I'm just going to play a normal deck and I'm okay with two for oneing myself by discarding a card. True. I mean, I, I think there's enough there where you have, you know, X one drops. Air of Falconrath slash Ravenous Bloodseeker into an Encourageable Youth type thing. 
Uh, all right, uh, I'll buy that. And I think it is on. It is a pretty good curve. It is on curve with Drana as well. So flipping that into a three-two flyer, uh, playing Drana, you're attacking for seven in the air on your first attack mm-hmm. step with Drana. That will close out the game pretty quickly. Yep. I don't know. I really like it. I really like this like low curve madness, and I think uh, they really. I guess they figured they push it a little bit that um, there's something there. I, I think there's definitely enough there. I don't know if we're going to get anything like basking root walla, but um, and, I mean, I like that already. And the other thing we don't know yet is if there will be lords. Like the first time around, we had the cycle of right. uncommon lords. That would definitely be a big push for all of these tribes, zombies and vampires, uh, if we had another cycle of lords. Well, the, and and another thing, I mean, we we have fiery temper too, so and that's still good. That that I mean, by the standards of burn spells in recent standard formats, that is very good actually. Yeah. So turn, you know, you have a turn one X whatever means Zergo. We'll just insert there. You go air, and even if you don't have incorrigible use, now you still have a fiery temper to either clear the way or you know just dome them, and then you play another two drop or something like that. I don't know. I think we have something there. I, I'm I'm really excited uh, as an aggro player. I think air is okay. I think, but I don't know. I'm not sold on madness in in corrigible youth. Like I think you need a critical mass of madness cards and a critical mass of discards if you actually want to play it. But it's gonna be pretty bad most of the time. Like I I tried jamming uh, big game hunter, so that's like a three mana <laughs> one one, and Ugh. it destroys what is it a creature with four power or more, and it yeah. has a madness of one black. And, you know, my, my whole plan was, okay, I got four Lilianas, and uh, I'm going to, like, hit some reality smashes or something, discard this thing, boom, right? It never worked, right? <laughs> like, you you really need a critical mass of these Madness cards, and, you know, Big Game Hunter is not even that bad, but, you know, like, a three-mana sorcery speed kill is not even that bad, right? But a lot of the times, that's what it will be, and you don't want to play that over a better card, because you can just play Dismember or something. So, Incorrigible Youth seems suspicious. Depends on how many discard abilities we have, but you know, even a three man of four three haste, like I don't know if that's good enough. Like that's okay, but you had to do a lot of work for it. Um, but era falcon wrath, you know, discarding a card could be okay to get a three two. So like I think Seth said, it depends if there are vampire lords and what the right. synergies are. But you know, just as cards on their own, you know, they're okay. You know, they might show up, but I think they just be role players instead of you know the card you're building your deck around. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying we have we have the start. We have the foundation of something. I mean, obviously, we're going to have to see more of the set, but I think there's something there. Yeah, for sure. It's going to depend on Madness, and I, I don't yes. know that Wizards will go all out on Madness. I think they'll give us conservative I, I, Madness cards. I think Encourageable Youth is pretty much like going to be the pinnacle of what we're going to see for Madness this time around. Because yeah, remember, they, that's, that's only they, an uncommon, though, right? We're going to see some rare Madness cards oh, yeah, should have higher power level. True. Yeah, I hope they. Uh, I hope that at least they draw the. I don't know, man. Madness is one of those. One of those. Uh, I get. I think it's like on that list of abilities they know are very powerful. So it's gonna be rough. I, I just want to see like a Hymnatorak card in this. Oh my! Just God. so you get hosed. <laughs> you like yeah. hit them and then they madness two cards into you. You're like no. <laughs> well, we got. Uh, what was that black card? Um, the. The Thoughtseize like card that yeah pick what the was brain? that card pick the brain yeah how many of those effects do we have in standard right now it's kind of crazy 
Wait, how does does transgress the mind make you discard, or does it just like straight up exile it? Can you get add to soft transgress? You can't, right? No. Okay. Yeah. Maybe we don't have that many, right? Hmm. No, but I mean, we have like uh, infinite obliteration. We have this. Like, we have so many cards that do the same things now. Yeah, I when I first read Pick the Brain, I was excited about it, but I don't think it's very good actually. I I was imagining that with Delirium, it was like a cranial extraction, but only hitting the card in someone's hand is kind of rough. Like a uh, cranial extraction or infinite obliteration, you can play no matter what's in your opponent's hand. This really needs cards in your opponent's hand to not be a complete whiff. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot for 3 mana. If it was 2 mana, maybe it would if it do something, but three mana is a lot. Like there will be something that is really good with that mechanic. Just because yeah. it's so easy to achieve delirium in older formats. Uh, have, you want to talk about delirium now? I think everyone is overrating yeah. delirium. Do we have it? Overrating or overrating? overrating? As a goy player, let me tell you the number of times I've played with underpowered goys very far into the game, and that's with two players worth of graveyards. And given the fact that there are so many exile cards now, getting creatures into the graveyard will be very hard on top of getting lands into the graveyard, which will be gone um, with fetch lands gone. So I think unless you're literally going like Thought Scour turn one into Thought Scour turn two into your Delirium card, like don't expect Delirium to be turned on between like, you know, before turn six, seven, eight or something like that. Mm. I even think in most people Leg- are... Even in Legacy and Modern though? Or are you talking about Standard? Yeah, Legacy, right? Like even Legacy, because like think what you think of the sequence of plays you need, right? You need fetch land... You need one of your creatures to die, and you needed to play a sorcery and an instant before your delirium is on. With Goyf, like, your opponent's graveyard, like, helps you out a lot, right? So getting that creature is usually really tough because of Path to Exile and Swords to Plowshares. And, you know, the fact that you have to run a sorcery and an instant, and there's not that many sorceries that you run, right? It's got to be, like, Thought Seize or Inquisition. There's not too many sorceries in the format. So it's actually quite tricky if you only count your graveyard. Well... Circling vultures. That's the answer. <laughs> what, what does that do? It, it is a a one mana three two flyer that you can discard from your hand at any time. <laughs> Just to get that creature for delirium. <laughs> yep. There you go. And pump your goyce. <laughs> like I think you really need thought scour type cards, right? And so I think can... in standard it's going to be really hard because of like. Uh, what was I playing? I was playing standard, and trying to hit Coligan's command for value was still difficult for me, because people kept exiling everything. You had Transgress the Mind, you have Kalitas, you have Anafenza. Like, getting that creature in the yard was actually quite difficult for me in a lot of cases. So a lot of times, like, Coligan's command did nothing, because I couldn't get a creature in the yard. So I imagine there will be a similar situation. Uh, and then given that Relentless Dead is in the format, there's probably more Graveyard Hate. And I, I don't know, like, I don't think Delirium on turn two or three is reasonable. Maybe like five, six, if you grind it out. But I think these cards need to be somewhat playable without their Delirium. Like, Mind Rack Demon is kind of okay without Delirium in an aggressive deck. But, you know, you know, playing Pick the Brain and expecting Delirium to be on is going to be very hard, I think. Hmm. Well, and Mind Rack Demon helps itself by milling four when it enters, too. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that seems like a fairly low-costed mythic right now. Like, just in terms of price? I mean, the card is not terrible. Mine well, it's in, yeah, it's it's in, in the dual deck. That, uh, yeah. No. Yeah, it's in the dual deck. Yeah, but I mean, Pelucranos was in a dual deck. Yeah. Didn't stop that. That's true, but that I don't was know like... if it's Pelucranos, but... I mean, it's not terrible. I mean, I don't know. It's it's still pretty big. I mean, a 4-5, it doesn't get roasted. So, what really takes care of it anymore? I guess, like, 
stasis snare, but... <laughs> Rest in peace, and you kill yourself. <laughs> Rudeness path. <laughs> you, you gotta just use straight-up removal for... I, I think it's a really good card. I, I think... Even if you mind take rack? four damage, yeah, mind rack. If you take four yeah. damage, yeah, whatever. I'm an aggro. Well, that's deck. yeah, that was, that <laughs> right? was like, my I, whole. You don't actually need delirium for this. Right, that was my whole thing. Is like, I mean, how bad is four damage? It's not really terrible. It's not the end of the world. I don't know. Speaking of cards that kill mind rack, I really want both of your opinions on declaration and stone. Right. Card's really good. Let's read this card. So deck yeah, read that card. One in a white sorcery. Exile target creature and all other creatures its controller controls with the same name. Uh, that player investigates for each non-token creature exiled this way. So a removal spell kills anything, lets your opponent draw a card. Is that good? Yes. I'm skeptical. I mean, think of counter spells that let your opponent draw a card when you counter their spell. Like, those really aren't played and constructed. Remand? Well, that lets you draw draw a card. card. (laughs) Well, yeah, but they don't necessarily lose their card, but... Well, yeah, but I mean... I don't know. That seems like a big cost to... Are we talking standard or are we talking modern? Well, standard. I don't think this is yeah, going to... Mo- modern, no way. This is garbage. But if you think of, like, Path to Exile, which, I, Any, yeah. by the way, I hate Path to Exile. <laughs> I, I, I played Abzan for a while, and then I quit because of Path to Exile. But basically, <laughs> it's Exile a creature, rampant growth for your opponent, right? They get a two-mana card, and they get to cast it for free, right? So Declaration of Stone, I think, is much better than that right like i'd rather just let them uh you know get a clue which they have to spend two mana to activate um so granted this is not as good because it's a two mana sorcery instead of one mana instant but the the downside i think is better than letting your opponent just ramp randomly for free so i think this will be played um in standard definitely if there's a white weenie deck this will be played like your opponent won't have the tempo to actually cash in their clue and they'll just die uh, whether you play in a control deck or not, I, I'm i not sure. Like, maybe that extra card really does affect things, but definitely for fast aggro decks where you're just trying to tempo your opponent out, you'll definitely play Declaration in Stone. The the one way I could see it seeing play in Modern is it is a really excellent answer to tokens because you don't investigate for tokens. So you can wipe out an entire, all four Lingering Souls tokens for two mana. I know there's other ways of doing that, Illness in the Ranks and stuff, but that's one aspect of Declaration in Stone I really do like is it is super, super effective against tokens. Just hit those four Voice of Resurgence tokens. Like, <laughs> super value there. I, I don't love all killing Lingering Souls tokens, but if there are big tokens... But this seems too narrow. I think you would just play Path or something in, in Modern. But I think Standard, this will be played. Like, two mana is a lot for your opponent to be drawing a card. Like, I don't think they want to be doing that until much later in the game. I mean, yeah, uh, what, I agree with Seth. If tokens is a really huge thing, then I guess this will be fine. But, I mean, we do still have, like, Silk Wrap and stuff, so... Yeah, one thing that I... <sighs> It obviously depends on what you're killing. Like, if if you're killing an Ulamog for two mana and they get to draw a card, you're perfectly fine with that. Yeah, yeah. I think at that point I can let them investigate. But when you're, like, (laughs) hitting a Sylvan Advocate on turn two or something, then that's a little, like, it feels a little bad because you're kind of two-for-one-ing yourself in the process, so. I, yeah, for standard, every other, every other format, this is likely going to be garbage, but Ah, uh, well, maybe, yeah, yeah, it's mostly going to be garbage. Um, But standard, I think this is kind of like a necessary evil, like, for a card to play. Like, you're going to have to play this, I think. Okay, what, what if you build the stone deck, and you're like, stone the silence, 
<laughs> yeah. just declaration in stone and everything. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> okay, I, I don't. I guess. Or oh, is it like a reverse Tezzeret that like punishes your opponent for having too many artifacts? <laughs> uh... You just give them all these clues, and then you like fireball them for like, their artifacts or something. Oh, remember that dragon you played on, or someone played on Commander Clash, where oh. it steals all the artifacts and you win the oh, game? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's from like Gate Crash, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's not, sounds like against the odds to me. Sounds awful, but if anyone could do it, you. <laughs> awful is what I do. Yeah, temple, my friends. I, I think in the right tempo deck, this can be used. But uh, as yeah. I thought it was modern, if you're playing grindy decks that go long, you don't want to give them an extra card <laughs> or like. Well, yeah, I mean, it's like Seth said. I mean, it, it depends on what you're killing, like, and what. But, but even if you're killing an Ulamog, I mean, it's better than losing the game on the spot. But if they have Ulamogs in their deck, they're probably going to draw another one, which is like not good for you. Well, I mean, at that point, you're going to lose anyway because yeah. then they just attack with the Ulamog or could just play another and, Ulamog. And that's more in standard where we don't have as many good cheap uncontested additional answers like yeah. in in modern you would definitely rather path a new Lamog and give them a land than let them draw a card but see would you want to declaration in stone or relentless dead oh jeez. Oh, <laughs> it's like yeah you're too funny yourself but they're gonna like five for one you you don't take care of it i think uh, might have to because i think you just have to like yeah grit your teeth and do it yeah so maybe it is a playable card and yeah, maybe, I, maybe it's the card that I, keeps the exile is better than just killing right yes i think it, it is this, yeah i think it's definitely playable i just don't think it's like the second coming of path or like a broken removal spell i hope no one was saying that it's so, it's, it's solid and i think because unconditional removal is so rare and like what's right. our best removal spell right now in standard uh ruinous path a three mana sorcery is that the best uh, unconditional removal spell stasis snare stasis snare three mana so I think just because it is so rare, and this gets rid of it permanently. You don't get the blowout where you stasis snare something and they kill your stasis right. snare and they get their Ulamog back. So I, I have had they that play, happen. They play another Ulamog and <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Seriously, I was <laughs> I I like to play decks that have tons of enchantment removal sometimes, and I have to say Ugin is the worst. You like exile their Ulamog, exile this big thing. They play in. Playing Ugin, kill all your enchantments, they get, get like five creatures back, and you die instantly. Yeah, so you're like, oh, God. Declaration in Stone takes care of that issue. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to worry about them getting it back eventually. I mean, like I said, talking about all this clue, like investigation and token stuff, I mean, maybe there's something even there with like just straight up like clue tokens it, and like P and Kira Noir dot deck. It's really cool that. It's basically cycling from the battlefield. They figured right. out a way to like do this tricky way to let cards cycle from the battlefield. I think we're going to talk about that one drop, and that's like the perfect example of it. It's like a a one drop that allows you to cycle from the battlefield. Yeah, let's let's actually talk about, about it right now. We got yeah, yeah. Raven Inspector White. It's a one two human soldier, and when it enters the battlefield, investigate, which is put a clue token, which you can pay two to sacrifice to draw a card. Yeah, so pre-cast, just so everyone knows, like, like Richard's, like, freaking out about this card. He's, like, super into this card. This card is really good. <laughs> this is so good. You you guys, you guys have given it F. <laughs> Mark my words, you'll see it I don't all know, over man. standard. I, I don't think this is better than this trusted old, um, the, uh, oh, my God, what is that card? Now I know, now I just got it. No, um, 
Oh, favorite hoplite? <laughs> yeah, favorite hoplite. Which bad jank card are we talking about? <laughs> no, I'm not talking about a jank card. Where? How does this work? What are we talking about? It. This is definitely not better than um the Doom Traveler. There we go, Doom Traveler. That's that's my favorite one drop of all time. I think this is better than Doom Traveler. Well, I mean, so in a token deck, then yeah, Doom Traveler does something. But I, I think, think as a general card, I think it's better. I think Doom Traveler is better than this. You have to read this as a three mana one two Elvish Visionary that can be paid in installments. So it can be your one drop, but you can pay two whenever you want in the future. Yeah, I guess. It fuels your delirium by actually having a garbage creature in your graveyard, similar to State of Wayfind. <laughs> right? And it, it you know, it's the it's a one two. Like we'll see this in limited but, for sure. People will play this thing all over the place. But but th- does this actually trade with anything like relevant? There's got to be X1s in the format. Like, the Heir of Falconrath, that's a 2-1 before you transform it. Yeah, but let's be honest. You're not going to... You're not going to... Come on. There, there'll, be, there'll be random things you can trade with, I, I believe. You're not, you're not going to do that. Come on. Well, it forces you to discard right there, right? What if you didn't want to discard, but you got to get over this 1-2 roadblock? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. It does wall Ravenous Bloodseeker for days. Yeah. <laughs> Also, Jace. It's Jace. a good card. Oh, yeah, it it, it threatens Jace. <laughs> I I think no, it's it a, doesn't. I, does well, it? No, if Jace well, flips, you start hitting for one. Yeah. <laughs> like, unless they unless they burn the, the the plus on it, right? Yeah. Well, well if you want to plus so. my favorite inspector, then go. Oh, <laughs> By all means, go ahead. <laughs> I I think this card is actually good too. I have to. I uh, I love Elvis Visionary, and this has better stats, and it's a one drop. So I I think it has value. Like it's a. I'm, it's a crappy creature that lets you draw a card. And drawing a card is very good, even if it's attached yes. to a crappy creature. Yeah. I'm never gonna I'm never gonna get off the Doom Traveler wagon, especially this. But seriously though, isn't drawing a card better than getting a token, Chaz? Like I know you're an aggro player, so you probably like your one one spirit token, but people that know how to play magic the right way with blue <laughs> cards know that drawing a card is way better <laughs> than a spirit token. <sighs> yeah, I I guess. I mean I don't know. Oh, I'm just giving you a hard time. No, no, I know. Yeah, I guess it's all right. It's okay. <laughs> I, like I said, I mean, this definitely could spawn, like, this is your first turn drop in Clue Tokens and Pia.deck. Like, Clue Tokens and Noir.deck. Yeah. You know, turn six or seven comes, like, you un- or even turn five, like, you untap with Pia and Kira Noir, and now all of a sudden you have, like, four or five Clue Tokens that you have, like, expendable. To just blow up whatever you want. And and even discounting P and Karen Nalar, I just like that this is showing up on aggro cards and it provides yeah. a natural hedge against getting your board wiped. Like, yeah, yeah. They, they can kill all your creatures, but then you can refill your hand and play more creatures. So it's a really nice benefit just to have these sitting around to cash in in the worst case scenario. That's true, too. Yeah, I, I can I can agree with that. Yeah, it's a pretty good card. If, if only the clue wasn't a token. If somehow it could go to the graveyard and help Delirium, then it would be so good. I <laughs> It'd be that's like, kind of why it is a token. <laughs> yeah, but artifact tokens, what is this? <laughs> uh, I think that's why it's a token, Richard. That's because they definitely at least knew ahead of time that that could be a problem. So <laughs> so how much will the the blue card that makes a clue token cost? One blue mana make a clue token? Zero? Like, there, could we have zero. Mana? zero mana artifact make a clue token? Mm, maybe. Wait, zero mana artifact? You mean zero mana blue spell? Well, we don't really have zero mana blue spells, do we? Outside of 
Kamigawa or something? Well, I don't know. They, you have, like, flip cards that have color but no mana symbols on them. Well, I That's... guess they changed that rule. They have mana symbols now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. I think, uh, why would you pay three to cycle? It's like a cycle, right? How much is a cycle worth? Apparently, with the Ataxian Probe, mm. zero mana. But being more realistically, <laughs> uh, one mana, which you can't do. So two mana is the only logical thing, right? Or is it, oh, what about this? Pay one mana, put two clue tokens into play. Some Ooh, kind of like terrible... De- I like that. That's a cool instant? design. Instant or sorcery? It's got to be instant, right? Well, I mean, you you could be bad and make it sorcery. <laughs> <laughs> that. That's, Actually, I, I like that a lot. Yeah, that is very sweet. I think that could be a real card. You Boom. should. You should. I work uh, for R and D. Send a letter. Yeah. Send a letter yeah. to R and D. I have a good and have card. Have them change it. <laughs> have them ch- either a change the card they had already in place, or print new cards and just ship them with shadows. Yeah, promo. <laughs> <laughs> they they used to make promo cards that weren't even in a set. I was looking at oh. cards like there's a card called Arena, which was just randomly released yeah. and wasn't in a set. Yeah, that's like Mana Crypt too. Yeah. All right, let's let's move on. Let's move on to this this other zombie. Five mana, seven seven. Oh, it's a zombie horror. It has synergies, horror synergies. Giraffe's masterpiece. So flying, it gets minus one, minus one for each card in your hand. Uh, pay four, discard three cards. Return Giraffe's masterpiece from your graveyard to the battlefield tapped. I mm. when I. When I look at look at Giraffe like in the background just like photo bombing this thing. Wait, Giraffe in there? Where is he? <laughs> yeah, he's like up in the corner just kind of photo bombing this massive, this massive. Oh, uh, like, he's on the ledge. Is that him? Yeah, that's him. <laughs> anyway, ah, this is all right. This is definitely better than what Scab Ruinator was aspiring to. No, uh, <laughs> Scab Ruinator's gotta be better, no? No. It should have been. Creature- get this thing. No, because you still have to pay for Scab Ruinator and. Yeah, and exile three cards. Creature type zombie horrible. That's what it should have been. They're both zombie horrors. So as a straight fair card, this this card is terrible, right? I think you've outlined that in your article, Seth. Like you're you're never gonna get this to be any kind of size, and to discard three cards to return this thing is like a lot. But can you somehow break this in some kind of combo reanimator deck or something? Like maybe, right? If this is the worst mythic, I'm okay with that. This is so bad compared to the thing in the ice, which is like a two mana seven eight. <laughs> if you have this five mana seven seven that requires all this work, that like does it work? Yeah, four mana is just a ton on top of discarding three cards. Like, ugh. and it's not. Well, you can do it at any point. You could do it at end step. Well, I'm not concerned about the timing of it. I'm concerned about th- uh, three cards and four mana. That's all. Yeah, lot. like if, if it was just discard three cards, it would still be bad. But you got to pay four I mana. Late, on top I think of that. late in the game. I mean, we like like we just talked about earlier in the cast. We don't have a lot of the madness cards. So late in the game, you know, four mana. You still have this thing hanging around in the graveyard. You get a couple madness cards in your hand at the end of the turn. You fire them off. Yeah, but and then you got a and then you got like a six six. But that's expensive, though. Even to cast like incur- uh, encourageable use, that's what seven mana. On this top would be of like a, uh, yeah. This would be like a a control finisher, like a deep like you have like twelve mana out, something like that. But well, if you're empty-handed, the- you're probably gonna die as a control deck, right? Like you want your hand full. Well, maybe maybe there's a madness card that wants your cards out of there, and then you'd rather you'd gladly discard. Yeah. late in the game. I, know, I, I think of this, they were I trying to go for a Death's Shadow with cards in hand, but it's just like, wait, if it was like a two-mana card, 
then you could get there, but at five mana and you have like three cards in hand, it's it's like an air elemental. Right? <laughs> like it's just so bad. Oh, it's the Mahamodi Dijin. The thing is though, it's I think it's mostly gonna be like you cast it and it's a five mana, like three three flyer or four four flyer, and then maybe you can get it back from your graveyard once over the course of a long game because it, the ne- cost is so high. You're never hard ca- wait, you, you should not be hard casting. Uh, oh, so you mean you're gonna discard this and yeah, just let it forward. rot. Wait, just let it sit in there. Discard the hand size. <laughs> Dandruff yeah. edge. Discard the hand size. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe it's better than I think it is. I, I'm but... not gonna. Like I said, I'm not gonna. I'm going to reevaluate this when we have more madness cards. But at the same time, if this is the worst mythic, I'm definitely okay with. Yeah, because this is not too terrible. But it's and, not even EDH playable, man. This is so bad. This is not EDH playable. Why would this you play this in EDH? Playable. What I don't do know. This? You can make a case for all, a lot of cards in EDH. Come on. <laughs> well, and the thing is, what's the payoff though? Like, is even at full power, is a seven-seven flyer without trample or anything really that good? Like, isn't every drag? Yeah, I guess it's isn't not. Isn't every Dragon Lord printed in standard just straight up twice as good as this card? Like, why would you ever play this over Ojitai or Dragon Lord Slumgar or any of those I cards? I wouldn't, but <laughs> I wouldn't. Listen, all I'm saying is I'm not going to just write this off until I see the madness stuff. And I'm just saying, if this is the worst mythic, I'm okay with that. All right. I'm yeah, not trying we'll, to make we'll a case. Won't send Masterpiece to school yet. He's going to more data. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to give it an F and then, like, I turn around and see all these sick, like, madness cards. And then, like, I look like an idiot. But the thing is, though, even there's if there's four six... mana to get the, yeah. the madness. Like even if there's got to cause zero. Yeah, but listen, but listen, it, it's like a, it's like um, you know, when when people had like you know twelve or thirteen mana out to make like uh, um, like Aetherling, like just like invincible. Like this is like deep into the game where you get like a big creature like this, and you get all the uh, extra bonuses of what these madness cards did. So hopefully. So what I picture happening is you wait till you get 13 lands, you pay four mana, discard three cards, your opponent untaps and goes declaration in stone. <laughs> and that would just, suck. You're just like seven for one to yourself to try and, to play. And you just scoop it all up. But at least you get to draw a card with the with the investigated clue token. See, there's so, always a there's always a silver lining right there. I, I think that's the best case scenario for that card is you get a clue token out of it. That's as good as yeah. it gets for Giralf's masterpiece. Well, yeah. Seth, you're probably gonna get against the odds with this card. <laughs> so uh, start brewing, my friend. Learn to like it. This one's gonna be a tough one. Learn to like it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like I said, if this is the worst mythic, I'm okay with that. If I had to choose between, like, I don't know, because Minerac Demon is infinitely better than this. Well, yeah, yeah Minerac Demon is playable. What <laughs> is not? Yeah. Wait, and are those we... the three mythics we have? No, we have Avacyn. That's four. That's four. We mythics. have Avacyn. Yeah, we have we have four. To be fair, though, we have four mythics. Two of them are slam dunks. Minerac Demon is probably decent. And it's like the dual deck card. So one bad one out of four is not a bad rate. Like a lot of times we've seen. You're like, gonna you're going to get a terrible like a, a open way or just a bad mythic. Yeah. So if this like, it's gonna happen. So if this is the bad mythic, that's fine. Thank you. It only took us ten minutes to get to that point. Like, <laughs> you came to the same conclusion. It's a bad card. <laughs> But that's, 
I wasn't trying to argue that it was good. I was just trying to say this. Like, you think it's okay to make bad cards? Okay. <laughs> I they're going to make bad cards. They're going to make bad mythics, even. I don't like bad I I like... I like cards that are you don't playable like bad with mythics? different instances. Well, then I'm sorry for you because there's a lot of bad mythics. If it's not playable with standard, be a bomb and limited, or be useful at EDH. Or... When, when Shards of Alara first came out and that introduced mythic, we got terrible mythics. Like, come on. All right, Chaz, may all your packs be terrible mythics. <laughs> that seems to be what they you're They already at. are anyway, so what does it matter? They already are. I never opened good stuff in my packs. All right, I think we have one more card we want to talk about, which is Bygone Bishop. Three mana, like two, three, flying. It's a spirit cleric. Uh, when you cast a creature spell with converted mana cost, we are less investigate. I like this card. I know Richard does not like this card, but I like this card. Wait, why do you think... So don't, listen, don't listen to Richard. I know you don't <laughs> why, why like Why do you think this. I don't like this card? <laughs> I, I saw you say that you thought this was worse than Mentor. It is worse than Mentor. Just mean I don't like it. <laughs> Nah, you hate it. <laughs> uh, you're probably right. <laughs> no, I, I think it's okay. It's definitely not Mentor of the Week. Because it doesn't what? trigger on tokens. Better. And it costs two instead of one. But Wait, it doesn't what? It doesn't trigger on tokens. Yeah, that's okay. Paying two instead of one to draw a card is a downside. But you get to do it later. Yeah, and it's a 2-3 with flying. That's that's why I like this card. I kind of mentioned it when we were talking about that one drop. Yeah. But you can play this, dump your hand, play a couple more one drops, a couple two drops, generate three or four clue tokens, and then you're pretty safe over the long game. Like, even if you get Wrath, you have so much card advantage that didn't cost you anything. Like, I like that aspect of this card in a in an aggro deck, just a way to hedge yourself against a Wrath. You know what really sucks is that this does not work with Collected Company. That's the really big downside to this card. Maybe I would have liked Mentor, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. but I don't know. Like, what if you play this? So, Boros, Pia, and Kirin Nalar deck. Man, you just play a bunch of turtles and make a whole bunch of Investigate tokens and play Pia and Kia and try to, like, burn them out. (laughs) Pia, Kira, and Noir are going to get a lot of mileage before they rotate. You know what else Ooh, they're really... Is Hangerback rotating? Hangerback is still in, and... We... Oh, yeah. So you, you, have... you play this, you, you cast Hangerback, you get oh. a clue, oh. plus your Hangerback, and you play Pira, oh, Pia, wow. Kirin, and just sacrifice, like, 20 things. Well, we also still have Thopter Spy Network, and clue tokens are a oh. way to make sure you have oh. an artifact sitting Oh, my God. Oh, yeah! <laughs> that is... Wow. Wow, that's Magic Origins, right? Yeah. Yeah? That is the best thing I've heard all day. (laughs) I'm super excited now. Yeah, I love that card so much, and I just want to see it be playable, and hopefully clue tokens will do it. Yeah, I love that. I love that card, too. I was the one that made you like that card. I think you were. You were. I I wasn't (laughs) too high on it, and you were all about that. No one was. No, everyone... I saw it. I saw the the potential. You do the clue synergies coming up in shadows. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, guys. In like three or four more sets, this is gonna be this is gonna be better. Trust me. Wow, that actually that actually is pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. I don't know how you start off with the first artifact beforehand, but that one drop, man. You played David Inspector. (laughs) Oh wow, you're right. (laughs) Wow. The one two, yeah, getting it, getting Dude, it done. I this is probably like the best cast we've ever done. <laughs> Where you discovered we are just, the power of the one two. We are just linking up so much stuff today. <laughs> we are on point. Wow, that's really awesome. Actually, I might build that. 
Yeah, me too. That sounds fun. Oh, that's, that actually seems like not too terrible. Like We have one more mechanic, which we didn't talk about. Which is is skulk. skulk? Is that really an, a mechanic? Though? That's a keyword. Is this new? Is this an existing keyword? No, right? No, it's new. Uh, so skulk is this creature can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. That's very exciting. We got on a common farbog revenant. It's a three to cast one three lifelink skulk. Yeah, you know where they got the keyword from? Wasn't there an elf that did this? No, it was a kithkin mist meadow skulk. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Ah, see? This. Only they changed converted mana cost to power. Oh. Was that like a two mana one one? Yes. Okay. With life, though. With, yeah? This seems, it was actually pretty good in draft. This seems horrible for constructed. Yeah. It's a common. But... I, well, no, I just mean the mechanic. Oh, you mean the ability or this card? Yeah, the ability. Like, this card is obviously not good, but I don't think Skulk is a very powerful mechanic or keyword. I think yeah. it'd be very, if you just threw this on Relentless Dead. No, I'd rather it have Menace. I think I'd rather have Smash no, have Nah, yeah, Menace. But <laughs> Skulk is relevant against control decks and stuff, right? Where they play their big fatty to block, and then you're just like, whatever, Skulk can just run in there. Yeah. Get you for one control deck, your turn. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you need, though. You've been belting them for four turns with your weenies, with your one two. If Thraven Inspector had Skulk, oh man. It's practically invisible, Stalker. Skulk and Menace. Just double up. We still, we, we don't have invisible Stalker yet. We have a, like, a, a very messed up, like, wannabe version of it, but I think, we don't have the, we don't have it, man. I think that's as close as it gets. That's disappointing. I don't think they want to it's do that again. It's not experience unless you die to Butcher's Cleaver. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 or, and or Rune Chanter's Pike. Interactive Games of Magic. Yeah. Uh, I really love this set. I think it's, uh, I think it's pretty sweet. It is. I agree. It's going to be awesome. I am very happy with this set. And we've yeah, seen and we, a tiny bit of it so far. Yeah, we, we have so much cool stuff. We're not even yeah. like a third of the way there. Yeah, way less than that, I think. We're probably like a yeah, tenth of the way there. We're at 55 out of 297. And that's a lot of commons and uncommons thrown in there. So we're I'm excited. We It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Hope, hopefully limited is good. I, I think it will be. I think you're going to get the good old Innistrad experience. That's tough, man. Every card has an archetype. <laughs> I don't know if they can reproduce that. I don't know. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. I'm waiting for the Clues limited deck. <laughs> you have the Farbog Revenant. That's kind of like the Invisible Stalker. It has Lifelink, too. Yeah? It's a mana 1-3 with Skulker. It's a Skulker. Farbog Revenant, become a men's combo. Here we go. <laughs> I got you guys. <laughs> uh, too bad Too bad. it's rotating. And they just... Uh, is it? The uh, they need to throw in Berserk. And then, then we go. Oh. <laughs> yeah, declare attacks. And then you just load it up with a Berserk. Double up my 1-1's power. <laughs> <laughs> Watch out. And then it dies. Yeah. And then it dies. <laughs> that would, oh, rough. All right, so we're, we're already... Yeah, so we're going to talk about fish mail. We're going to do it a little differently this time. I, I know this is kind of a longer cast. So, and, and we're just so excited about Innistrad. We wanted to talk about it. Um, let's just, it's going to be lightning round fish mail. So sorry if, you know, if you feel left out, but we're still going to answer them. Just going to try to move things along. So Richard, lightning round. Let's go. All right. Chris Yang, Jace Vin's Prodigy. Is it going to decrease in price after it rotates out of standard? Currently have four Jaces I'm using in modern, but debating if I should sell them now and buy them back after rotation. Hold them. Uh, I think it will decrease from $90, but not a ton. 
Yeah. All right. But yeah, it, it's 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 just easier to. Well, yeah, maybe actually just sell them and then maybe pick them back up. But if you're gonna play them, I would just keep. Sorry, go ahead, keep going. Uh, Tomas from Slovenia. Oh, Tom, if you don't want to slaughter my name, too late. <laughs> too late. <laughs> <laughs> Why are card prices so different between the U.S. and Europe? Uh, our friend is from Europe. Chandra is twenty-four dollars on Star City Games, but here it's about eleven euros on Magic Card Market. So that's about half the price. I don't know if this is a standard of living things or GDP thing or magic cards are just more popular or popular in the U.S. Uh, what if someone starts buying cheap European cards and starts selling them in the U.S.? So what's with the price um, difference and what if you just want to kind of take advantage of the market differences? Uh, well, U.S. dollar is weaker than euro um, and U.S. trends don't always – it takes a while to um, – travel to the other uh, countries like uh, Meta, I guess. And I, people do do this. Like, there are yes. entire vendors that that is their game. They go to Japan, buy cards that are cheap in Japan that are expensive here, and vice versa, also in Europe, I'm sure. So it's not what if someone would do this. People do do this. There are vendors yeah. that that's their main income, is uh, yeah. exploiting these differences. I, I, yes, and I know quite a few of them who will even dip into Canada to grab cheap stuff because the uh, U.S. dollar is stronger there. All right. Uh, at PSU Civil, how much will the new sealed leagues affect standard prices? Mm. Interesting. Uh, I think that's a hard question to answer because we don't really know how many of the people playing sealed leagues are new to limited and how many right. are just playing that instead of joining the draft they would have been playing. If anything, it might it might do nothing because the sealed leagues are five rounds and you're playing with the same amount of cards. So... Uh, I don't know what I'm saying. I talk myself into a corner. Well, will will this? So I guess there's two questions. Will it affect moto prices, and will this somehow affect redemption and flood the paper market as people play sealed all over the place? I don't know by a huge margin, but it it would likely affect it somewhat. Yeah, I think it'll be minimal impact. Yeah. Okay. Uh, at daily RJ, when's the right time to pick up Coco? So collect the company for modern. Are they now. only heading up, or do you expect a drop at Dragon's Rotation? Get them now. <laughs> yeah, when they released that uh, event deck or whatever it was. <laughs> Six months ago. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, at Light Blue Gangsta, what is likely to happen to the price of BFZ boxes and fetches post-rotation? How will box EV change? BFC boxes have a really good long-term uh, growth. And fetches are... Also, good long-term holds. Yeah. Um, as far as the box EV, over the long haul, a lot of the times, uh, I guess it depends on the set. But I think with Battle for Zendikar, the sealed product will rise faster than the prices of the cards, so the EV of the box will get worse. Like, that's how it usually is with sets that are in demand. The sealed product is in demand, like the original Zendikar block. Yeah. Uh, at Harmon Zachary, this was actually from last week, but uh, we missed it because it was tagged fish mail instead of MDG fish mail. Oh, so sorry. Fish mail. Uh, I use OSX and I want to get into Moto. Any advice on doing so and for new players in general? OSX. Yeah, what is OSX? Mac. Oh, oh, there is a great primer on posted by Limited Resources, uh, Marshall Sutcliffe, on how to play Magic Online on a Mac. I would search that up. Um, limited Resources, like playing MTGO on a Mac or something, and that should walk you through what you need to do to do it. 
Yeah. I, I knew I should have known that. I just OSX threw me off for a second. And uh, email wizards and complain. It's uh, 2016. Yeah, and they, I don't they know should have Mac. <laughs> why we can't right have now. a Mac client? Yeah. And oh, we got all them all. Mail. All right, great, sweet. Um, out, on the way, uh, we're gonna wrap things up, gentlemen. It's been great. Uh, out the door. Um, I know we touched on this, but just to reiterate again, um. We wanted to touch on the interview, so we know Aaron Forsyth. Uh, apparently, it, it, unless you guys know the DefCons uh, very intently, uh, Modern is in now a DefCon one, and to translate that is they're 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 going to take action. So we should definitely see something happen in April uh, when the Shadows Over Innistrad BNR announcement happens. So that's Thor, def, Thor that's made def- the top eight better ban some more pieces. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems like they're leaning, something's going to happen with Eldrazi. But uh, from what we can gather, it's they want the deck to survive, but whether they feel that's just going to be still bad, um, we'll have to see. But something's definitely going to be done about Eldrazi in April. So, yeah. Um, any last-minute, uh, last-second things? I think we covered everything. Great cast, gentlemen. Uh, I want more spoilers or more clues. <laughs> well, we get uh, on the 15th, so Tuesday we get Arlen Cord from LSV. Ooh, and you know what? We usually do on Tuesdays is to record a podcast. So next week yep. we will have uh, some Planeswalker talk. Yes, we will. It's going to be awesome. All right, I think that wraps things up. This is going to be the MTG Goldfish Crew signing out. We will see you next time with more spoilers too. <laughs>